humans, and welcome to this episode of the Mostly Normal Gamers podcast. This is episode 58. We are recording on July 29th, 2020. I am one of your hosts, AJ ID. This week, we will talk about the Nintendo Giga Leak, great news for PlayStation fans, and they're trying to put some damn ads in our video games, y'all. Joining me today, Salty Sea Dog Stern. How are you, Chris? I'm getting through it. I I made it through a Wednesday, and now I'm here recording, so I'm starting to feel better already. Nice. Well, we're making progress because we've made it through our intro now. Um, unfortunately, John Swanson was tragically eaten by a gaggle of Canadian geese. R.I.P. Pour one out for John, everyone. That brings us to the lowdown. If you want to be part of the conversation, or if you have a pressing question that you want us to weigh in on, you can reach us at Mostly Normal Gamers on Twitter. If you don't use Twitter, you can send email the old-fashioned way to podcast at MostlyNormalGamers.com. Lastly, our website is live. I've even been to it. MostlyNormalGamers.com. Go there, check it out, sign up for our email list. Eventually, you will receive an email. Coming soon. It's true. Maybe even from Chris. You never know. I, I actually... um. I sent in the Slack. I, I I saw that you guys had replied, but I put a little uh, spiel about Ghost of Tsushima that I thought was a little, maybe even poetic, if you will. <laughs> I know. I'm excited for people to maybe read that come, say, like, August. <laughs> and now that it's well, on a recording, we have a deadline. And it's the 29th of July, so good thing you gave us a month. <laughs> All right, well... I guess speaking of Ghost of Tsushima, that's what I was playing before. What have you been playing, Chris? I um, only put in a tiny bit of time on Final Fantasy VII Remake in the last week, but I was able to check out um, a game that's lived on my Nintendo Switch for about two months because it's part of the Super Nintendo um, you know, digital console service that they have from being a member of the online any Nintendo online service. Um, and it is a game straight out of 1995, called Panel Dupon. It is better known as Tetris Attack in the U.S., and then it went on to become a series called uh, Puzzle League. And so my starting point with this series was actually on a family vacation in Mexico where there was a uh, N64 plugged in in, like, this kid's play area. And they had Pokemon Puzzle League for the N64. And let me tell you, I don't know why it spoke to me and my friend, but having like a multiplayer puzzle game that was just painted with a sheen of Pokemon stuff really spoke to us. Um, And so it's kind of a match three game um, where you're just swapping things. It's a very early version of that. And I was actually, I'd been playing it over the last month or so, but I sat down and put like a decent chunk of time in playing their story mode. Um, which is really cool. Uh, you play as a fairy. And so this game is in all Japanese on the Nintendo Switch okay. virtual what console. Kinda, is it like a platformer RPG? It is a it is like a, a puzzle-ass puzzle game. Okay. So okay. like I want you to picture Bejeweled. Okay. Um, What's that so, one with Dr. Robotnik and the... Oh, Dr. Robotnik and the Mean Bean Machine. Yeah, the Mean Bean Machine. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, iconic. I are you telling me that you also had the Sonic the Hedgehog collection for the GameCube? <laughs> because I definitely played that game. No, there. I literally played that game on Sega, I think. Oh, or maybe PlayStation. I don't know what year that came out, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I kind of forgot about that game. The Mean Bean Machine was such a great name, though. You know <laughs> what? How old how long ago it was that I played that game? I believe I rented it from a Blockbuster or a Hollywood video. So that's how long it's been since I played Mean Bean Machine. That sounds like a, a real rental game, you know? Yeah. With a name like that, you don't even need to read the back of the box. <laughs> <laughs> so, Panel Dupont. Have you made a lot of progress? I So it's kind of an interesting way that they have it set up. So the game's entirely in Japanese, and I fumbled my way into the menus, and there's an area that's just verses, um, but verses is kind of like the story mode, which I think is weird, but whatever. Yeah. I can't translate Japanese on the fly. And so right. you play as this fairy, and you're kind of marching along a path up in the clouds and fighting other fairies in these verses puzzle battles similar to other multiplayer puzzle games where you're sending junk blocks over to the other player's side as you complete, um, you know, connect three, connect five, et cetera, et cetera. And as you go along this path and defeat, defeat these other fairy characters, they get added to your roster of playable characters. And then what I thought was the last level was a final battle against a very like angelic looking fairy. Okay. And then you beat her and you're suddenly dropped into the belly of like a volcano and you end up playing puzzle battles against what looks like a phoenix, which I was able to defeat on the first try. And then I went up against a dragon and this dragon messed me the heck up, AJ. <laughs> I lost. So it's really interesting as you play each of the fairies that you collected in the early part of the game become your lives. And so oh, cool. it's like a game of like elimination and so as I'm losing to this dragon over and over again, I can no longer pick the fairy that I brought into battle with it. <laughs> um, and I ended up putting it in a suspend state because I needed to do something else with my switch. And so I'm just like sitting and waiting with like half of these fairies oh, and no. trying to battle this dragon. It's. Is there any it, hope for success? I don't know. I was. <laughs> it did not feel like I was making any progress, AJ. <laughs> so maybe you just never play it again, and then you didn't. You didn't lose. And you didn't win. <laughs> the problem, though, I, I so I got really, really, really into the DS version of this game, which is called Planet Puzzle League. I think it came out in 2007. Mm -hmm. And having another way to access this series on a portable has been amazing. Um, and it's actually really similar to what the other game I've been doing has been doing for me is I have dived deep into the world of good Sudoku. Um, it has been like a regular part of my whole last week. I've been picking it up and doing um, the three different daily kind of missions that they have. Okay. Um, and the thing that I love about puzzle games is you get to kind of scratch that itch and like really like work on something. And it feels a little bit like, you know, checking something off of a to-do list mm -hmm. is it's hitting that same part of my brain and zach gage did such a good job of like using the sound effects and the visual style to like create a very good feedback loop every time you finish series of either the numbers they will change fonts from bold to regular mm -hmm. um and then there's like a cha-ching noise like you just won the lottery um and it's a visual it's a visual spectacle just to see like once you complete the puzzle it starts flashing like a disco 
scene. Well, that's <laughs> it's very, cool. very weird. Um, but I, I know I talked a little bit about it last week. I have been really, really happy with it, other than a few moments of feeling like, am I just really bad at Sudoku <laughs> or is this a glitch? And so I think I've been doing a lot of like the improve section of the game where they teach you these different techniques to try and get better at Sudoku. Oh, that's cool. And sometimes when you start up one of the more advanced moves, like a Y wing, um, instead of it saying, here's what to do when you hit the hint button, it will say unsolvable when you hit the hint button. And so <laughs> when that happens, you're supposed to go in the menu and hit like revert the puzzle and it will revert it back to a point where it's solvable. Okay. But it's unsolvable from the situation that they give you to do the Y-Wing for the training. Huh. Um, and that's been really frustrating. You, When I hear Y-Wing, I do not think Sudoku. You think Star Wars. Of course. <laughs> they also have an X-Wing. And so I was actually going to bring that up. Is, oh, that's funny. It, it, I, would, I would like to ask you, if you had to think about a Sudoku and describe to me the the play that is a Y wing, what comes to mind, AJ? I mean, the shape of a Y, it would be like in the middle and the, like the flux capacitor, <laughs> a Y in the middle of the thing. 1.21 giga, gigawatts. <laughs> yeah. And then the X would be like bingo, the X bingo or something. I don't know I'm how Sudoku works. <laughs> oh, I, I really encourage you. Like if you, do you use iOS for your phone? I do. Yeah. Yeah please like please just check it out the free yeah. version of it should have like a limited amount of features but um i think it's a really gentle way to ease you into learning how to do it and not that you need another game on your plate but mm -hmm. it has been like a really great way to just like rest my mind by focusing on something that's like entirely abstract like it's just put the numbers in the right places and that's been very good after long days of work like i've doing had today it. doing it right now good sudoku by zach Zach Gage, G-A-G-E. Downloading it as we speak. Um, tell me a little bit about finishing up Ghost of Tsushima. Yes. So, man, I, depending on how we organize our game of the year talks this year, I don't know that another game is going to beat this out for me. The That's Last of Us is... phrase in it a is. year with The Last of Us 2 and Final Fantasy VII Remake well, and... And and like the list goes on. So tell me, I'll tell, tell me you what why. puts it up at that top tier. It's because, and this is all personal opinion. So you know, I'm not like this isn't me like deciding mostly normal game of the year. You know, this is deciding AJ's game of the year. Um, the Last of Us Two has just depressed me too much for me to pick it as game of the year. <laughs> as my personal. Um, I'll definitely consider it for, like, you know, when we vote on, like, whatever we decide as a group. Um, that's a different thought process. But it's just too too sad and depressing for me to be my game of the year. Final Fantasy VII Remake is almost the opposite in that it's just so bombastic and crazy. And it's sad at times, but it's a different kind of sad. It's like a fantasy sad versus real sad. <laughs> um Ghost of Tsushima is sad and happy, and it just has everything I want in a game. It, it really. I guess the only thing that I think could think of in this game that would make it better is somehow to have a multiplayer dual mode, where oh you can bring your gen versus their gen, and you know, 
it'd be you could like you know master what stance you're gonna use or whatever and I, I it could be like a whole new game actually if they just added that mode in there somehow. But, Talk about like a great thing to have as like DLC or in like a content update just to keep people like coming back to the game. Yeah, that sounds really rad. Just even like I have not touched this game, but just some of the gifts of the combat or the short videos that I've seen online make it look like it would be really intense to do that in a one-on-one context. Yeah, I actually I posted one of my duels on Twitter at aj underscore id. That's e i d e. If you want to go see it, it took about a minute. It was one of my better duels, and I got him on the first try. And if you kind of just watch the video closely, you can see, like, you actually have to, you know, use your brain and decide what's happening or react to what the other guy's doing. And I just can't imagine what that would be like against another human. It's that, like, four-dimensional chess. Like, as soon as you add a one-on-one element to it, it just changes things completely. But... Getting, I guess, back to just the story gameplay of Tsushima, I finished the story. I'm not going to say anything close regarding a spoiler, but uh, I will say it, they do manage to have an end game, which they'd have to, you know, on this such a big open world game. So basically, like, events happen, uh, the story ends, and then there are still, there's still people to fight, like, on the island little outposts and stuff that you have to clear out. And that's what I'm doing now. So I'm, I'm on my way to Platinum. I actually haven't looked at the trophy list. Uh, I think I'm going to wait until I just finish playing, like, all of the side quests I have left and clearing all of the outposts. And then I'll look at the trophy list and see what I have left and see if maybe just naturally playing I can get most of them. Checked off the list. Yeah, hopefully there's not like a like one that I need to do something specific for, like really specific for, uh, that I've already missed. But I haven't looked at any list. Um, but yeah, yeah it, I love the game enough that where I, I feel like I have to platinum it just because I love it so much. That sign of you know respect for the game devs because of how happy you are with it. Yeah. That reminds me of the only platinum I've ever I've ever gotten was God of War 2018. Oh, that's a and good one. I I just was like, this feels like it's a within my grasp. I think I did similar to you, like kind of play through most of the game and then was like, this this deserves the effort to get this platinum. Um, but the other thing I found with that game was just the way it's designed, like really encourages like. I was so invested in exploring every nook and cranny of that world mm-hmm. they built. So I just kind of naturally like ended up doing it and only had like to defeat the final harpy in order to seal the deal on it, which was oh, right a on. very hard fight. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I definitely like feel you on the approach of like as a sign of respect, like mm-hmm. I, I'm going to commit that time to it. But it yeah. also helps when it's something that feels appro- like achievable and I know sometimes with games that I really love, the Platinum does not feel achievable. I, maybe that's another part of the reason why I haven't looked at the trophy list, because I'm afraid that I'm going to look at it and there's going to be something ridiculous on there that I'm like, nope, not going to do that. I'll um, keep my fingers crossed for you, AJ. Yeah, and maybe that's why I'm also waiting to like finish clearing all the outposts, because if I saw that it wasn't attainable, I was like, do I really want to fight all these outposts? I don't know. <laughs> are you it, still like vibing on the combat just like oh, is man. it dude it keeps getting better and better because as you level your guy up you unlock more gear uh and then you'll unlock the ability to hold more of them so like i'm getting to the point where i can kind of decide 
how I'm going to do it. Like, I can totally go in as the ghost and just stealthily assassinate everyone, or I can totally go in the samurai way and do the standoff and just chop, chop, chop. It's like, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting that you bring that up because Gucci Pucci, who I feel like I talk about every episode almost, but he's playing this game as well, and he's like, I'm going the way of the samurai. Whenever I see guys, I run up and fight them. And I'm like, dude, I'm full ghost. Like, I hide until I get caught, and then I even sometimes run away and come back. <laughs> so it's interesting. There really is... I mean, there's, like, story plot points that make it so you have to be the ghost, kind of, in a way, you know? Yeah. But, like, you can choose the gameplay of... Like, there's no point where you can decide, like, to not... Like, if you never kill someone stealthy, you're still going to end up as the ghost. Definitely. It <laughs> sounds like they did a really good job of creating it almost reminds me of dishonored where you're incentivized to go quiet but you're also incentivized to go loud and they're both like super fun viable and engaging ways to tackle the game yeah definitely i would definitely agree to that because you can get into really big sword fights with 10 guys and as long as you play it near perfectly because that's a lot of guys you're gonna get out of it especially if you have a bunch of your like special abilities like the smoke bomb is so cool like you can just throw the smoke bomb and then assassinate guys and once you level it up you can like chain assassinate so you can like throw a smoke bomb and just assassinate like three guys in the smoke bomb it's so cool <laughs> yeah it's got to feel good to clear out like a big chunk of a group like that it mm-hmm. reminds me of i'm trying to think like maybe it was in batman arkham asylum where like you're able to sort of like quietly pull people into the shadows and then like you drop down in a group that used to look overwhelming and it's just like one or two people left Mm-hmm. And then the last thing that's super satisfying about clearing the outpost is once you go back on the map, it'll be like, poof, and clear like a huge circle around the outpost on the map of the fog. Oh, so nice. So that's another extra like super, like just nice extra little, you know, shot of Sarah, or, uh, oh my god, I'm mind blanking, shot of euphoric dopamine. brain chemicals. Yeah, dopamine. <laughs> yeah, the dopamine hit. The whole yeah. reason I play video games. Exactly. And then I guess I'm just going to touch real quick on this other game I've been playing, Crypt of the Necrodancer, Nintendo Switch Edition. It was on sale this week for $3.99, so That's a I figured, game. yeah, so I figured I'd give it a shot. It's not my kind of game at all, but it's really interesting. I never really understood what these, how would you describe this, like a rhythm fighting game? It's like a rhythm dungeon crawler, right? Yeah, it's it's unique. It, I mean, the series being it and uh, Cadence of Hyrule, like they mm-hmm. are rhythm based action roguelikes where you're doing a dungeon crawl and you yeah. move and attack to the beat. Every act, every movement and every attack. And even sometimes you're like digging things and stuff like that is to the beat. And it's super cool because you're just like down, 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 down. And. Eventually, you can do double time if you really want to. I never really do because it's like, and it's like gets intense when you're trying to do that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like my brain couldn't keep up with that pace of movement. Yeah, but just like, like just that button press, like, attack, move, dodge, attack. It's like, talk about a way to shut your brain off. That is a pretty good one because you're just going to the beat, fighting the things. And you can't really stop because then you lose your coin multiplayer and stuff. It's 
It's great. I highly recommend trying it out if you're into dungeon crawlers and have any rhythm whatsoever. <laughs> well, you, you seem like you have a really good internal uh, metronome there with the beat you were keeping. I don't know. Maybe I played in band back in the day. <laughs> See, that'll do it. I have uh, no musical background, and so it's a little harder for me sometimes. I played the baritone. <laughs> oh, neat. I don't think I've ever told anybody this on the podcast before. It's basically like a little bit smaller tuba. Okay, for and sure. And you sit next to the trombones and play like the same as the trombones but it was cool i was first chair baritone <laughs> that's rad but there's only two of us <laughs> hey you were on top though <laughs> oh man well on that note should we talk about some news <laughs> This first one comes from Sahil Patel. I'm not 100% on that pronunciation, but I think I'm close. At the Wall Street Journal. And this article is going to make a lot of gamers upset. It makes me upset. Basically, I'll read the first sentence here. Marketers are putting TV ads in video games played on consoles. An experiment in trying to reach younger audiences who are watching ever less traditional TV. And to expand on that a little bit, I was watching some Twitter interactions between some pretty big names in the industry, and um, some people were talking about how EA was going to put commercials in sports games, which there kind of already are, but there's not like a commercial break between innings and MLB, for instance. Um, And Corey Barlog said something interesting about, like, as a consumer, this just, like, makes me upset, and, and, and I was like... I agree, and I, I guess I wonder your thoughts on it. I have some more, but but I want to hear what you say. It's so complicated. I would rather see if this seems, and I'm just perusing this article right now, mm-hmm. but it feels like it, it is being pushed by the people doing marketing and advertising mm-hmm. as opposed to being an initiative to try and like help with development costs. Yeah. And it's guaranteed to help with development costs. Like there will be a payday for EA, as an example, if they start running these ads in their games. The thing that I find frustrating is it does seem like it is being driven by the fact that there are fewer and fewer sets of eyes on traditional TV ads and that the demographic is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking to specific people who will turn their TV on and like sit through an advertisement in TV. Yeah. And does that. <laughs> my parents um <laughs> fair <laughs> but uh the the thing that i think is really interesting like i would i'm so there was recent news and i don't know if it was covered on the show it might have been a bit before my time of the idea that next gen games are going to go up for a ten dollar price hike mm-hmm. and yep. as much as like another ten dollars out of the pocket hurts for a full price game like i you know i work <laughs> in a youth shelter they don't pay me a bunch of money to do that mm-hmm. um i'm on board with it because if you look at inflation games have stayed steady since i was in high school like i remember in high school when the price got bumped up from 50 to 60 mm-hmm. with the coming of the 360 generation and it has not changed since then which is like 15 years and so and shocking really it's it's amazing And and do you think that's because gamers are so angry? (laughs) 
I mean, we are an angry, angry uh, flock. I, I'm not you know? saying us necessarily. No, no. But like I just the, mean like, yeah. If if we're gonna call ourselves mostly normal gamers, <laughs> I think we do fall into the Venn diagram there. And yeah. like, I I would say reactionary is kind okay. of yeah what I'd put it at. And for me, like, if EA is desperate enough for more sources of revenue, and I get it, like they've had to take out any sign of any microtransaction from any one of their games because of how big the blowback around um, Battlefield 2, not okay, Battlefield, sure. Battlefront 2 but is. They still have them in, in the sports games. They're the most egregious of all. No, absolutely. And the thing that I want to recognize is if they can find a way to increase the money coming from these games, they will. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is just another venue for them to do that. Frankly, like, I know you and John stay on top of, like, the new releases way more than I do. If it means paying $80 sticker price and, you know, I already wait for sales all the time on games that I want to play, I'm happy to do that uh, just because I I don't want the experience to be compromised. Is that... Sure, but all right. This is this is what's going to happen though. They're going to charge us seventy dollars for the game, and then insert a two-minute commercial break before I get to play Rocket League. So between every Rocket League match, I'm going to have to watch a political ad of some party hating on another party, and then I'm going to have to watch uh, McDonald's try to shove a quarter pounder down my throat just to play Rocket League. I think it's inevitable, and we're going to get there, and it's going to suck. And I, this is the first time I'm going to encourage, like, <laughs> the the vocal minority, because this is when we need to, like, stop games from doing this. I don't think it's going to be really anything that we can do to stop it, but maybe we can make it less. Yeah. I, I don't know the first name of this person, but um, the kind of the ending quote of the article is, the most fundamental piece is we have to create an ad experience that gamers accept, Mr. Morgan said. Maybe they won't love it, but at least they can say, yeah, for a couple points or a battle shield, I'll watch the ad. Um, it almost sounds similar to the way a mobile game would like tie, watch this ad to get a free hour of bonus XP or whatever. Can you decide um, not to watch the ad then? Like I don't like I'm OP. I don't need this low like you know level two shield. I don't want to watch the ad. <laughs> yeah, and this is where I wish I had had been able to dig through this article more deeply. I don't think it even gives us answers to questions like that though. Anyway, yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's a very kind of cursory look at what's going on. I think it's I think you're right to kind of raise the alarm about this because as soon as it is done and accepted in one game franchise by one publisher it will be across all of the major publishers yeah imagine if call of duty puts it in it'll be over just between each round of multiplayer you have to sit and watch an ad for dog food yeah or targeted so i don't know i guess for me it'd be like more video game ads but (laughs) Yeah, well, and something I think about is I used to watch the ad-supported version of Crunchyroll to watch some anime back in the day, Mm -hmm. and I watched it on my Xbox One, and because there were so few people funneling ads through Crunchyroll, there would be times where the same exact Forza ad played (laughs) three times back-to-back 
and also during every ad break. And eventually you just like check out and I get it. I could have paid for Crunchyroll to get the ads removed, but Hunter Hunter, I couldn't, you know, Mm -mm. anyways, I don't want to go down this path, but (laughs) if they're able to say, yo, AJ owns a PlayStation, we're going to send him only PlayStation ads during any game that he's playing nonstop. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's a little bit like it's disheartening. It, it hurts my soul to think about it. It is tough, too, because I'm thinking of I know this isn't a game, but like Duolingo. I use that. To, I'm trying to learn some German so I can talk with my friends in Austria. Yeah. And there's an like when you fail, you lose hearts. And I'm not using the paid version. I'm using the free version. And there's an option like, do you want to watch this video for another heart? And I almost always watch the video because that gives me another mistake during the learning. Oh, and I shouldn't say I watch it. I click watch and I like put my phone down and like go back to whatever I was doing and then put my phone back up. But like it's a lot harder to avoid, though, when it's taking up your entire TV screen. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Well. That's depressing. I think it's something that, like, this is not going to be the last we hear about this, especially if it's successful. It looks like it's going to start out being done in UFC 3 from EA as kind of the big game that they're pointing to. Mm -hmm. And I am hopeful that we hear some reporting on how big it backfires. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll find out, I guess. Well, speaking about finding finding out about things, we've got a new rumor about the PlayStation 5. This is coming from PlayStationLifestyle.com. Basically, all it says is, Netflix PS5 State of Play event is set for August 6th. I have yet to hear anything announced from PlayStation officially, but they've got some pretty official-looking screenshot here. (laughs) Oh, that is some just beautiful, beautiful color choices for that background. (laughs) I really love how the the PlayStation logo pops off of that. That's great. Um, it actually reminds me of a blanket my girlfriend owns, but <laughs> um, I, it says August 6, 2020. That's going to be next week, Thursday. So we'll we'll know if this uh, comes to fruition probably by the time we record our next event. It's true. Or, wow. We'll record our next episode. Um, oh, yeah. See the word well. event on screen and say the word event. Um, <laughs> what do you think that they have to talk about? I don't know if this is actually me predicting or just like my heart predicting, but I I want them to let us pre-order so bad. And I think it would be a good move because, and I don't know if this is true, but it feels like to me, like whoever announces their pre-order first might snag a couple people that can't afford both. You know, like an impulse, oh, hey, it's there, I should get this, and then just go for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like a way of forcing people's hand. Yeah, because y- you know that you they're going to sell out, you know, immediately, right? So if you're going to get one of them and then that's there and your brain just clicks like, I got to get it. <laughs> yeah, well, so this pre-order conversation has me interested. Like, if you had to pick one at this point, and this is something that I'm really struggling with because I was pretty convinced I was going to do Series X until I found out Deathloop is a PlayStation console exclusive and it really <laughs> pissed me off. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, which way are you leaning at this point? Me personally, I'm leaning towards PlayStation 5, but mostly that's because I literally just bought an Xbox One X Cyberpunk edition like two months ago. 
and, and I feel did, bad to not necessarily bad, but I did that with the thought process that Microsoft has told us all the games will work for at least a year on that my Xbox One X. Yeah, definitely. That makes so a lot I, of sense. Yeah, so I figure eventually I'll get the Xbox Series X. Maybe I'll just wait a year and then play, you know, the best versions of Halo then and the best versions of whatever. Uh, I'm mind blanking on like the whole Xbox <laughs> games showcase the, or whatever. The but. best version <laughs> of. Yep, of games. <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077 because they. Well, I'm gonna had- already play that on on either my PS or I actually already own it on PS4 and Xbox because of the way that stuff went down. But <laughs> Yeah, because you have the um, special edition. Yeah, and it came on that. So, yeah, I guess me personally, I'm leaning for towards PlayStation 5, but that's more so tied into like my recent purchase of the thing than it is the consoles themselves. Yeah, I, I really want the Earth to settle on this little scuffle that they're in right now i really want one of them to lose at the game of chicken around the price and i think it's kind of a trade-off right if they put pre-orders up right away that means they're also coming at you with price right away Mm -hmm. and i feel like there's a lot of hesitant i mean people have been joking about it for literally weeks of like why are you still playing chicken with the price and Mm -hmm. so I think it's an interesting trade-off, but I do think you're right in that people who just want to get their feet wet in the next generation might be willing to say, hey, this is the one that's available to pre-order now. I can only get one, but I'm going to do it. Well, you almost have to, because if you don't on that first day, the next day you're not going to be able to pre-order. Yeah, straight up. SOL. Waiting in line (laughs) out in the cold in whatever month they come out. Uh, giving me flashbacks to when I camped out at a Target <laughs> to get a PS3 that I then sold on eBay. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was Money one of my maker. favorite high school memories, actually. <laughs> but um, I think I'm still leaning towards the Xbox because I, I came into this generation, A, already being an Xbox person, and then I kind of set up this mental trap for myself where I was like, you know what? Like The Series X is going to be able to up like every game that I play on it. Like it sounds like there's hardware level stuff where they're going to do ray tracing in some older games and all this really cool stuff. I, or maybe it's HDR that they're going to add into older games, but I ended up buying the elite controller series two, uh, cause it was on sale on Amazon for re- refurbished a while back knowing that it's going to be forward compatible to the Series X. And I just have a stack of games that I'm looking at right now that I've been focusing on my PS4 backlog so that when the Series X comes out, I can start taking these game discs and being like, what is the most beautiful version of The Witcher 3, for example? Mm. What is the most beautiful version of Dishonored 2, which I've been sitting on for a long time? What is the most beautiful version of uh, you know, Jedi fallen order. Mm. Like I have a bunch of stuff in this backlog pile that I think old will be new again with it. And I'm really excited to see what that process of playing an Xbox one game, or, I mean, God forbid I decide to get into Spelunky finally, like an (laughs) Xbox 360 game on this really intense, you know, uh, most powerful hardware that's going to be on the market. I want to see how that works. 
Yeah, well, it'll be really interesting to see. A lot of cool stuff coming. I'm pretty excited. I don't think you can go wrong, to be honest with you. Uh, with all the stuff Game Pass has, your Xbox is going to be a good decision. With all the awesome exclusive PlayStation has, PS5 is going to be awesome. So, honestly, I don't think anybody's going to lose this generation uh, in a traditional sense. Like like previous generations, there was a clear loser. Um okay. The next thing I want to... I'm just going to touch on this real quick and then go on to their Nintendo news, but um, mm. just a heads up, Cuphead has dropped on PS4. Um, Cuphead is kind of... Um, I don't know how you would call it, like a litmus test of gamers sometimes. Um, I personally can't... I haven't beat the game. I haven't even gotten through the first level. <laughs> but some people are really proud. Um, I know Dutchy, uh, Sarah... Shout out, She's, she played Cuphead, and on her Twitter it just says, I beat Cuphead. So people are kind of proud of that stuff. So if you want to play Cuphead, go play that on PS4. Moving on to Nintendo news, the GigaLeak. Chris, you are a little bit more in the know on this one than I am, so I'm going to let you take the lead here, but um, I guess some stuff's leaking from Nintendo? <laughs> some stuff is an understatement, AJ. Um <laughs> So Eric Van Allen over at uh, usgamer.net is our source for this article that we're pulling stuff from. But they there was a hack. Um, they're trying. I think they're tying this big data leak to a hack a while back, um, and just like floods of information about Super Nintendo and N64 games that were in development um, has been hitting the internet over the last few weeks. It's kind of being uh, spread out over time the way that it's being parsed through and put out. Um, but we got such gems as uh, a flawless audio version of Star Wolf saying, I can't let you do that, Star Fox. Um, <laughs> and some other really cool gems of like, it's a little bit like having the curtains drawn back on the hidden room that Nintendo makes all of its games in. Um, at, you know, I've been a Nintendo fan since before I owned a Nintendo system. And it's really one of those things where you kind of look at them. I think of them almost like Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory Okay. <laughs> where it's like, I, I what that, a that's a good comparison. Yeah. What a magical place. I wonder <laughs> you, what the process that they come up with these things that bring me like intense joy. You go into Nintendo and there's like Goombas, like working like the, the machines like i don't know people are getting dropped in in vats and turn into bombs yeah yeah um, and there's turtles everywhere and something that i think is really cool about this is in a little bit of a way it demystifies what the process of game development at nintendo is like and it's like yeah they're using tools in c plus plus to test code just like everywhere else like nintendo is a place where artists and programmers come together and create magic but it, it's magic that you iterate on <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things that i saw from the leak just going around twitter was um, a bunch of sprites from the fourth generation pokemon games so diamond platinum and platinum and pearl um, and it just had the iterative process of simple line drawings and then like timestamps and date stamps of when they changed the, the image over the course of the different builds of the game. And so you get That's to see cool. like, here's like the earliest version of what we're going to have Blastoise look like in this game <laughs> all the way into like the number of changes over time where it's like hard to discern, okay, what did they change with this sprite of Blastoise? Like are his cannons a little bit different? 
it's really interesting. And I think it's helpful for me as a person who's like scratching the surface of just learning a little bit about programming to try and better understand the way this thing that I love works to see that it is an iterative process. It is something that takes time and patience. It is something that takes multiple attempts to get right. And it's cool to have, you know, the veil pulled back and be able to see that from Nintendo. Right on. Yeah, I'll have to check out some of that stuff. I did, now that you're mentioning it, I did see a couple of those Pokemon, I guess, assets or whatever floating around. They had, uh, my favorite image, just scrolling through some of the articles about this, is Yoshi, but like elderly Yoshi with a cane and a big bushy beard and huge bushy eyebrows. Like, it is a treat. It, like, the mind reels with possibilities of a Grandpa Yoshi. <laughs> Grandpa it, Yoshi. <laughs> yeah, it's it's spectacular. I, I really recommend people go and check out just some of the stuff that's come out of this. And I think I'm excited like to see more to come. I know one of the really, really big things that came out was a confirmation of like this long-held rumor that Luigi was originally going to be playable in S- Super Mario 64. And they found the Luigi sprite, like the Luigi model for that game was found. Oh, so, so it's true. Yeah, so like there's all of these really cool like long rumored things that are kind of getting revealed as well. And then <laughs> another one is they have a uh, I think it's the Super Mario World uh Luigi sprites. They have a sprite of Luigi flipping the player off. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's just like full of little things like that that spark joy and like kind of make you go like, oh yeah, like the people who work at Nintendo are adults. Like, <laughs> you know, like they're going to put the F word in there when they're commenting on their code while making Star Fox 2, for example. Yeah. And like it just, it humanizes the whole process. And I think that's super important, right? Because like people make games. Oh yeah. It's not a magic factory that spits out game of the year award receiving games right mm-hmm. it's, it's a place where people put in work and get frustrated and do programming <laughs> and, and iterate flick off themselves with luigi <laughs> and make just i almost want to find a way of cropping it out and making it my new twitter icon you could snip it probably it might blur it though yeah i'm gonna have to look into it but yeah. <laughs> but yeah i i just think i'm excited to see how this trickles out over time I'm also happy to that it kind of demystifies some of the mystery around Nintendo. I am hesitant around the ethics around how it's sourced. I know a lot of gaming historians are are really like, hey, like this is stolen stuff. Like this is not the way that we want to try and yeah. get this information. Yeah. But I get that. It's it's no less cool because of that. And I think that's something that I'm trying to to keep in mind. Um Fair enough. Yeah. Anyways, I just thought that was a a cool thing to shout out because like yeah that is like two you know two major parts of gaming history is the making of some of those games for the n64 and for the super nes man talk about some old assets you want to know something old tell me tell me something old aj <laughs> scientists this is written up by adam bankhurst at ign headline scientists resurrect 100 million year old underwater life forms what? What does that even mean? They just like unfroze them or something? How do they resurrect them? <laughs> it it makes me think of Unleash the Kraken. You know, like that's yeah. what I'm picturing when I read that headline. Well, and also 
isn't there a little bit of risk involved here? Like, we already have a global pandemic. Like, what are they reviving? Like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Let's see. As reported in Gizmodo, an international team of scientists led by geomicrobiologist Yuki Morono from the Japan Agency of Marine Earth Science and Technology revived these microbes that are actually from 101.5 million years ago. Yeah. They are types of bacteria, and they were put in laboratory conditions. They came back to life and began began eating and multiplying. So it sounds like they were maybe found in sediment, and then when they brought them into the lab, they just came back to life. Like reanimated. (laughs) Like the reanimator. (laughs) Oh, man. It also says there was a previous study of bacterial spores that were supposedly from 250-million-year-old salt crystals. That's rad. But not all experts agreed they were that old. <laughs> I don't know how you can agree on that. Um, <laughs> you, had, you had to be there, AJ. But we realize this doesn't have anything to do with video games. But for one, it's super freaking cool. And for two, it leads right into our mostly normal question. Are, are you ready for this, Chris? I, I know that I kind of forgot to think about it uh, during during our episode here. But the question asked by John... Uh, R.I.P. John. I hope those geese ate well. What ancient slash prehistoric creature would you resurrect? Um, I'm thinking, man. Like, I have a couple questions. Like, is it gonna just be what it is, or do I? Does it get to be my pet? <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> I think the easy assumption, AJ, is you're resurrecting this pet. All right, because I kind of feel like a woolly mammoth would be a really cool pet. I'm not going to lie. Woolly mammoth was the first first thing that jumped really? in my head when I was pondering this question. Because think about, like, they're just like a shag carpet, and you could, like, sleep on them and ride them, and they're gigantic. It's a beautiful thing, really. Yeah. So that was my first thought, was the woolly mammoth. Other than that, I kind of feel like, and this is going down... A theory that I have that humans would care more about life and value life more if there was more danger to us. Like when, like if you had to worry about like getting swooped up by, well, let's say a giant, you know, six meter wingspan dragonfly, you'd probably think more about like walking to your car, you know? <laughs> just a little bit. So you I'm just... gonna go with like giant bugs. I want I, like giant bugs that you'd have to battle. <laughs> Battle bugs. <laughs> What's that game series? Earth Defense Force. There we go. Oh I God. remembered it this time instead of needing to tweet it out immediately after the recording. <laughs> um, I thought, so if I told you, I was like, what about a prehistoric horse? That could be pretty cool, right? Aren't they supposed to be giant, big horses? It made me think of in Breath of the Wild, um, quick spoiler alert for breath of the wild because i feel like anything you talk about in that game could be considered a spoiler yeah Um, yeah. so you know tune out if you don't want to hear it but um i think you find ganon's horse in that game and it's just like a burly massive horse (laughs) um and let me tell you i i have that horse it's in my stable in my second playthrough um but i was like oh like a prehistoric horse i bet just like everything else it was bigger and then over time it shrank so I did a quick Google search, and um, it looks like the, I believe it's Ahop- Eohippus, 
E-O-H-I-P-P-U-S was a teeny tiny horse from 45 million years ago. And do they tell you how big it is? There's a little image for scale, and I would say it goes up to the kneecap of the no, horse's oh, front legs. Oh, of the horse's. Um, so it's like a like a medium dog size, maybe even smaller. Yeah, I guess if I had to if I had to guess, I'd say a good medium dog. Um, <laughs> and now I I'm sort of like getting squigged out by like the mental image of like what a horse of that size would move around like. Just like a regular horse. You have to get something small to ride it, like a parrot or something. <laughs> Just put, you know, train your children on a small horse, the Eohippus, <laughs> and then they can ride a big horse yep. when they grow up. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, it has a great financial use, and I think we could start a small business and live off of that. Oh, my God. Do you know how resurrecting, much money? <laughs> resurrecting Eohippuses to get training <laughs> Uh, get training on horse riding sooner. I mean, those French bulldogs, those designer French bulldogs, go for like five grand. We could probably get like ten thousand dollars a pop for these mini horses. We let's need to design, get on this. Let's design some baby horses. We need a genetic engineering expert in ASAP. <laughs> Hit us up if you're in the audience. Oh man, well if you are in the audience, that does it for our show today. Thank you, listeners, so much for joining the podcast this week, Chris. Can you let people know where they can follow along with you, everything you're up to on those internets? You can check out my meandering video game thoughts at VG Occasion on Twitter. It's the best occasion. <laughs> you can find me at AJ underscore ID. That's E-I-D-E. Uh, once again, if you want to contribute, you can send emails to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. Follow us on Twitter at Podcast. Sign up for our emailing list. Do it. MostlyNormalGamers.com. That's and it for you, our show. Oh, go ahead. Well, if you made it this far into our rambling, beautiful episode <laughs> of the podcast, please send in a listener question. Yeah. I would love to create a listener's listener question segment on this podcast. Yeah, we need those. The crickets. I don't know why we didn't bring them back, but we didn't. <laughs> but that's Anyways, what we do. Pardon the interruption. Oh, Bye. no worries. I love it. That's it for our show. 